Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone in the United States and around this world. My name is Kennard. I am your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program is for those who are really seeking the truth. And what does the Bible define truth to be? Let's look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. It's a beautiful psalm, by the way. Psalm 119, verse 142. states, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law, and the word law in the King James Version in most cases is translated um, from the Hebrew word Torah, and Torah means the Decalogue, or the Pentateuch, or the first five books of Moshe, which is uh, Moses' Hebrew pronunciation of his name. But traditionally, the first five books is called Torah, but Jews know full well that the whole Tanakh is really the instructions and doctrines of God, or Yah, short uh, for uh, Yehovah or Yahovah or Yahweh, his name, who most, well, some people anyway feel that uh, we have a grasp on his uh, full pronunciation. I don't think any of us really know exactly how the name is pronounced, but we're trying to figure it out. <laughs> but anyway, the instructions of Yah is not just the Tanakh, but also the Apostolic Scriptures is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to give a program, too, proving that the um, New Testament, or more clearly the Apostolic Scriptures, uh, is also a part of the instructions of Yah as well. But anyway, welcome to this program, and if, if you really do desire the truth, because truth is lacking not only in a biblical instruction, but in society as a whole. Um, there is so much perversion and wickedness going on in the world right now. E even in people, uh, what I'm trying to say, even in people who claim to, to keep Torah, 
and Yeshua prophesied in Matthew chapter 24. Let's go there, Matthew chapter 24. And people, you need to pay attention to this chapter. This, this chapter, he did us a favor, our, our Lord and Savior and Master. He he summarized prophecy for us uh, for the 21st century. That's what he's done here. And we need to take a look at this very carefully and analyze it. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, which is across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem today, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And in the end of the world, and that um, word world, in he, uh, not in Hebrew, but in Greek, aeon, and it means the age, the age of man, the age of man, or the messianic period, uh, the, time become the, uh, the time before the coming of the Messiah, or the time of the coming of the Messiah. Then verse 4, and Yeshua uh, Yeshua is Jesus' Hebrew name, answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So so notice, that's the first thing that came out of his mouth. One of the characteristics of the 21st century is deception, trickery. And I, and I try to, people that, that uh, contact me through my meetup group and, and through other means, uh, I, I really try to emphasize the tremendous deception that is in the world, ladies and gentlemen. It's just, even among people who are believers, there's deception all over the place. And um, the Bible study that I'm giving is very important for you to listen to, the, the book of Revelation, because it will reveal also the great deception among churches and even in the assemblies that call themselves messianic. And and we we need to... Listen to the Master's words here. It says, Take heed that no man deceive you. All right? And that word deceive in the original Greek is planado, planao, and it means to go astray, to deceive, to err, to seduce, wander, be out of the way, to trick someone. And in verse 5, For many, not the few, many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and shall deceive many. They'll be talking about the Messiah. They'll act like they are representing the Messiah, but you can tell by their behavior. And I'm not talking about occasional sinning. I'm talking about consistent. Uh, if you have a minister that doesn't care about the sheep that he's shepherding and all he cares about is money, uh, and he's making a lot of money from you and while you're starving and you're poor, never. You know, I'm not talking about the minister that's in there with you in the trenches that, that's also struggling. And, and so forth, but uh, that's, that's, that is occurring a lot in Protestant churches and, unfortunately, in some cases, in the Messianic groups. And then, of course, when you start talking about poverty, they want to run away from you. They want to, when you start talking about people's problems, they, they, they don't want to deal with it. And, uh, you know, ministry, pure worship. Let, hold your place here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 5 pure worship, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord's brother understood what it is. Pure worship. Turn to James, rather, not Jude. James, Jude was his, uh, Yeshua's other brother. <laughs> but uh, Jude, Je uh, I'm sorry, James, 
James <laughs> chapter 1, verse 27. It says, pure, pure means katharos uh, in the Greek. It means clean, clean religion. And religion in the Greek means trashkaha, and it means worshiping, observance, ceremonial. Okay? So all the clean ceremonial worship and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, in their trouble. And what that's really saying is that you should help the poor, and widows and fatherless are the poorest of the poor in society. And that's what we need to be focusing on, not not how to wear a zitzit, that's important, but uh, it's not as important as is really being concerned about people's needs and helping them not only spiritually but also physically to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Uh, I visited uh, quite a few messianic assemblies and and they overdo this one to keep himself unspotted from the world to the point where some are deceiving themselves and thinking that it's a sin to accept government assistance, which is ridiculous. Uh, they don't seem to understand that God's model for society is a combination of government and religion. That's the way we had it back in the days of Moshe and in the, in the days of, of King David and King Solomon. And it was, it was attempted during the time of, of, of the kings. And they utterly failed because they, they did not combine properly religion along with government. And when you don't have proper religion with government, that society will fall. That's what's happening to our country right now. You have the feminists wanting to destroy men, and, and, and you have uh, them contributing to the tragedy of, of homosexuality. We're, we're, we're trying to put feminine characteristics in men. And society is falling apart because of that, not just in the United States, but around the world. Uh, Isaiah 3, verse 12 prophesied that women and children shall rule over them, and those that, that lead you cause you to err. And that's, and that's what's happening. As I'm speaking, ladies and gentlemen, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And we need to listen to the words of God that, sure, there are teachers, but you always have to test those teachers. Don't be so um, impressed by what they look like, what their website looks like, uh, even what their literature looks like. You can't judge a book by its cover. That's very, very true. And you can't judge a Torah teacher by how much money he's making or how many people follow him and, and so forth. I mean, that's not how you judge any Torah teacher. You judge a Torah teacher by his behavior, how he teaches, if you're understanding what he's saying, is, is it possible for you to understand? If Yah is drawing you to that individual, it will be possible for you to understand. If you don't rebel and, and if you simply obey what the Torah teacher is teaching you through the Word of God, you verify the Word of God and then you respect the elder, or the Torah teacher telling you that, because the elders, the only authority that any elder has is the Bible itself and what it says. Commanded to respect that elder. But, you know, I find 
in this walk that you know, people have issues with skin color, that they have issues with whether you're fat or skinny. I mean, it's, it's always some kind of, well, not always, but more often than not, there's some kind of discrimination or partiality involved in this. And what I love about the book of James here, it talks about um, the partiality issues, and it's somewhat of a prophecy. Uh, in James chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ, with of glory, with respect of persons. Respect of persons, you 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 respect a certain Torah teacher, but you don't respect another one. Not because the other one is not preaching the truth, but because perhaps he made a mistake and never mind that he apologized for it or he's shown fruits of repentance. Uh, you still don't respect him or because of the color of his skin, uh, etc. Some idiotic thing, or you may listen to two people and and uh, they say certain things, and you don't understand that perhaps uh, these two people could be lying because they could be false witnesses as well. And you don't give the other person the benefit of the doubt. And it's kind of crazy that you don't because you contacted this person first. <laughs> so those are the kind of things that I've had to deal with and I continue to deal with, unfortunately. But James chapter 2, verse 2, For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. So nobody can say, oh, they're talking spiritually. No, this is talking about physical, socioeconomics, ladies and gentlemen. That's what this is talking about, this verse. All right? Uh, someone is rich, someone who's poor. You can't argue your way around that. All right? Verse 3, And you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, okay, not gay clothing, but radiant clothing, and saying to them, sit thou here in this good place and say to the poor, stand thou there or sit there under my footstool. And unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, I, I have seen this in the messianic assemblies. I've seen this partiality. Not type, but I've seen other types. Uh, verse 4, and you are not... Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Verse 5, hearken, my beloved brethren. And here here he's trying to, to give you some, some wisdom here, so pay attention. Have not God chosen the poor of this world? And that word poor in the original Greek is patkos, and it means a beggar, a pauper, <laughs> someone that doesn't have nothing. Okay? Uh, hasn't he made the poor of this world rich in faith? and heirs to the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him. And so you got to be careful being partial to poor people because uh, they may end up ruling over you, and more than likely they will be. So in verse 6, in, in James chapter 2, verse 6, But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? And if you... Fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy that's how you love your neighbor yourself. You care about people. You do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. Let me give you a personal example. I remember one time I slipped and said uh the word C R A P crap. Um that, that word is, is said a lot. Some people think it's a curse word, some people don't, but I added holy 
crap. <laughs> and I, I didn't do that on purpose. This was just, this was this bug on my knee. And I, it was just a knee-jerk reaction, pun intended. I mean, well, not pun at all, but it was a knee-jerk reaction, all right? And and uh, I got judged severely for that. Like it was a, it was the greatest, the most wicked thing that was ever said uh, in the history of, of conversation. And and uh, I had no evil intent at all. It came out wrong. I apologize for it. And you know, I, there's a, there's an individual that doesn't think I understand what apology means. I understand what apology means. Uh, it means to repent. Uh, and and I never did say that again when I was around this individual. But anyway, and so I got um, severely persecuted for that. But the reason why I'm bringing this up, I went to um, a, a recognized horror teacher's event, and this individual was cursing. I mean saying curse words, popular curse words that you shouldn't say. And there were kids in the, in the audience. And the, and the individual that, that, that uh, almost condemned me because I, I said this certain thing, as far as I know, he didn't. I hope he rebuked him. You know what I did? I, I just walked out and said, oh, man. I just said, oh, man, real loud. And I just walked out because I couldn't believe this individual was just casually cursing like he was. And so <laughs> the other individual that uh, that made me feel really bad because I said that, yeah, I was, I was, I was in the wrong, and I apologize. But um, he didn't openly rebuke this individual. He just continued to listen. You know, maybe he did later on. I, I certainly hope he did. But uh, it, it, it's just partiality, folks, and we need to get rid of the partiality. And I, I believe that Yah is leading me to talk about this for a good reason. He's tired of it. And people that are listening to me that, that are fellowshipping with people on Shabbat and Holy Days or if you're still doing your Sunday thing and you're first listening to me for the first time, uh, whatever, uh, you, you need to uh, look at everybody equally, and not because somebody has money you should respect them more than someone else, not because somebody has more wisdom than someone else. You shouldn't. It shouldn't be anything like that, ladies and gentlemen. So let's let's repent of that great sin because it is a sin. Uh, it says right here in James two verse nine. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. So we, we can't have respect of persons, ladies and gentlemen, and we shouldn't tolerate a certain sin because of someone's stature. Like I said, I hope this individual did apologize. I mean, did rebuke this individual. All right? But um, it didn't appear that he did. But all I'm saying is that... Uh, we can't be impressed by someone's stature and how much money they appear to make or, or how they dress and how they look. That's deception, folks, and we have to, to look through that. All right? We have to look through that, and and we we have to look at people's behavior. And I'm not talking about the person that's, that's uh, perfect. Uh, uh, in other words, what I'm saying is that for, for someone to be a Torah teacher, I don't see the definition that they need to be perfect. Okay? There's no perfect Torah teachers. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. 
but you should see the willingness to change, the willingness to, to repent. And here's another thing, the sheep that don't understand, the sheep that don't understand this is the following. If you have a concern about any Torah teacher, you need to bring that up to them immediately. You don't let it harbor on. And a lot of times what I've found, uh, not just dealing with teaching people the Bible, but just working in corporate America and, and so forth, a lot of times, more often than not, uh, what you perceive to be an issue is, is, is a misunderstanding. You don't have all the facts. And so it's, it's, it's best to get all the facts before you, you make your decisions on whether or not you want to deal with someone or not. You can't make your decisions based on how you feel. You have to look at the facts. And if you don't have all the facts, it's very foolish to make any decision, a concrete decision. So anyway, let's take a look at uh, world news, and then we're going to get into today um, the message about Smyrna here. And we're continuing to examine in detail what the menorah means. As far as the book of Revelation is concerned, it means the seven churches, each candle of the menorah is representing a church. Uh, back in the first century, it was literally a church, but this is a prophecy as well, because each time he gives uh, a um, teaching or a message to each church, he says, please, he, everyone, that this message is for all the assemblies. So it's, it's for all the assemblies all throughout the ages. Okay? So let's pay attention to this. This is a major message. And I'm spending detailed time explaining the book of Revelation because I, I, I know that our time is running out for this world. There's too much wickedness going on right now. And, and Yah has given me this wisdom about the book of Revelation, and it's my responsibility to tell you everything I know about it. So that's what this program is about. I'm not charging a fee for it. I'm not selling a book. Um, we're going to have to, to do that. It says buy the truth and sell it not. As one preacher saying, well, hey, you forgot about to buy the truth. Well, come on, let's use our common sense. Uh, buying the truth is, is really referring to the Bible, uh, the Bible costs money. You buy that, but you don't sell the contents of that. And, of course, in my case, certain ministries, I do pay uh, for their material. They they want to sell it. That's 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 an issue that they're going to have to to come to the judgment seat of Yah uh, about eventually. But uh, I still buy that material, but I don't sell it. And on this program, and, you know, me personally, you'll never, never, even at cost, I'm, I'm not going to sell uh, at cost, meaning that I'm not making a profit. I'm going to follow um, Paul's example, Shaul's example, because uh, he, he commanded us to do so. And I'm not going to uh, sell or offer anything where someone has to come up with some money uh, to, to get vital truth to play a role in, in allowing them to enter the kingdom of Yah. Uh, that, that's, it certainly isn't biblical, and, and I'm not going to, to preach that. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55 is pretty clear on God's intent for the truth. 
And there's another scripture, too, I'm going to quote. Isaiah chapter 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come ye and buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. I mean, this, this is one scripture that a lot of assemblies are in violation of, folks. A lot of them. Verse 2, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And this is another prophecy because a lot of people are spending money on so-called truth. That's not truth. Unfortunately, there, there's some messianic assemblies uh, that follow this as well. I have to be honest. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? <laughs> you labor for that which satisfied not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul, let your soul delight itself in fatness. In verse 3, incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, or understand, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. And so, he doesn't want you to have to pay any money, folks, to get the truth. He says, Ye that have no money, come ye, buy, and eat without money and without price. And what do we find? People charging, putting prices on things. Oh, uh, you know, we we got to repent on that, folks. Folks, uh, Yeshua would never would be selling literature. You know that. Be honest with yourself. He wouldn't be selling literature. He wouldn't be doing any of the things that I see many Torah teachers and, and ministers do today. And we have to follow his example. And then in the book of Revelation, book of Revelation, what does it say here? So it says something about um, getting the truth freely. It says in Revelation 22, verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that hears say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whoever will, let him take the water of life freely, <laughs> without price, freely. Okay, so you'll never see me and, and all the things that I offer. And, and I know I talked to one individual. Well, the reason why you you're on the blog talk radio and everything, people don't take it seriously and all that. Well, you know, well, that that's her opinion, you know, but I know that Yah is drawing the true people, the people that, the true believers, I should say, um, the people that who really, really do thirst for righteousness. That's what this program is for. It's not for people who think they know it all, criticize me and and, and talk all kinds of evil about me and don't know what they're talking about. I have to be really clear about that. They hardly don't know what they're talking about. So that's what this program is for. So let's take a look at uh, briefly some world news here. I just felt that I needed to talk about the things that I just talked about here. Um, let's, talk, let's go to um, worldwatch.org, rather. I'm getting it mixed up with World Net Daily. I have to do something. In reference to World Net Daily, and I haven't attended to it yet, but I will. But anyway, uh, 
right here in World Watch Daily, Koenig International News website, watch.org. It says, Obama, Israeli-Palestinian deal possible will be implemented in stages. Okay, so here we go again with the trying to separate or give the Palestinians land when biblically that's not supposed to happen. And U.S. Senate leaders demand progress reports in Iran. Peace talks extend beyond allocated nine months. And we have a winter storm to bring snow, ice, or Dion, rather, to bring snow, ice from west to the northeast. Deep freeze hits large swath of U.S. So there's cursings here in reference to the weather because of our wickedness, and I've covered this in an article on my website, mercifulserviceofgod.com. If you go to God and Hurricanes, you click on Bible Studies, and then click on the article, God and Hurricanes, I explain in detail why God allows these weather disturbances, and it's because of our sins. That's why. And that article explains with biblical proof why. And so let's briefly look on the um, domestic front here. Uh, I go to this website, this blog, The Economic Collapse. I suggest that each and every one of you who are listening to me review this blog. It's, it's some real good information that you will not get um, with the other media outlets that the Council of Foreign Relations and, and other um, big uh, organizations that are controlled by the elite, that are led by the elite, um, like the media, uh, they're not going to tell you the things that this individual is telling you here. It says, big banks are being hit with cyber attacks every minute of the day. Too big to fail banks are taking over as the number of U.S. banks falls to all-time record low. Wow, the holiday shopping season is off to a horrible start. It says, according to the National Retail Federation, America spent on the average of 4% less over the four-day Thanksgiving weekend than they did last year overall. That means that approximately $1.7 less was spent at U.S. retailers compared to last year. It says, it has, been, it has already been projected that this holiday shopping season would be the worst for retailers since 2009. But if these numbers are any indication, it may be even worse than expected. So why is this happening? Well, basically, the American consumer is tapped out. The unemployment crisis in this country is actually getting worse. Poverty is absolutely exploding. Class is being systematically evacuated or eviscerated. In other words, you can't get blood out of a stone. Or you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip, whatever. <laughs> Many retailers are offering extreme discounts in this desperate attempt to lure more shoppers, but the money simply isn't there. I knew that was going to happen eventually, and you can't keep on charging credit cards and getting into debt every Christmas and expect to be prosperous. So here's another one. Fifteen signs that we are near the peak of an absolutely massive stock market bubble. So anyway, here's another one. Black Friday, a shameful orgy of materialism for a morally bankrupt nation. China's on a debt binge and a buying spree unlike anything the world has ever seen. I fear for what's coming. 68% of Americans believe the country is on the wrong track. So, you know, bad news, folks. And, you know, there's some tour teachers saying, well, we shouldn't talk about the bad news. <laughs> well, what did Yeshua say, folks? Okay, we have to to look. We can't put our head in the sand and say, well, everything's going to be okay. You can't, can't think that way. 
Luke chapter 21, because everything's not going to be okay. In the end, yes, but you got to live based on what's going on right now, folks. You can't, you can't, uh, you, you are in the world. You're not out of the world, okay? Maybe spiritually, for those who are fervent believers, but you're physically still in the world. <laughs> and those physical things are going to affect you. Luke chapter 21, verse 34, it says, and take heed, let me read this in the um, easier version here. The, the Bible in basic English version, 1965. Luke 21, verse 34. But give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life. And that day may come on you suddenly and take you as in a net. For so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth. But keep watch at all times, not sometimes, all times with prayer, that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and take your place before the Son of Man. So he doesn't want you, you shouldn't be paranoid about every little thing that happens, but, but, the, but you should be aware of what's going on, folks. My program will assist you in being aware of what's going on. That is my job. That's one of my major responsibilities. So, but you should also do your own digging. Just don't, just don't depend on me. All right, let's get into this message about the sermon or the Smyrna, rather, the Smyrna Assembly. Turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna. Smyrna, uh, well, it means the same thing, Smyrna. <laughs> or a Smyrninian. Or, or a Smyrmian, that's what it means in Greek. Uh, Smyrna, right, these things says the first and the last, which was dead and is alive, of course, it's talking about the Messiah, verse 9, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, poverty, but you are rich, they're not rich as far as money, but just like I read to you, they're rich in faith, and I know the blasphemy of them that say that they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. In other words, these are people that are religious fakes. Verse 10, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So we have to be faithful to the death, folks. We have to continue on. Faith must have works, or trust must have works. And we must continue to do the works. He says that uh, a few times here uh, in, uh, as we examine each of the candlesticks here of the menorah. Verse 9, he says, I know thy works, thy works. And that means ergon in Greek, and it means occupation, deeds, labor. All right? Uh, don't let anyone tell you that the true way of life does not involve works, because it does. Verse 10 can even go to prison but he's telling you that you must hold on unto death and i will give thee a crown of life verse 11 he that has an ear let him hear what the spirit says unto the churches or the assemblies he that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death that second death is that you won't live again <laughs> that's what the second death is and that's how you you will be hurt and that's another Bible study, but many people don't understand that. The Bible is clear about 
that there's a, a clear dichotomy or difference when you compare two things. You have eternal life and you have eternal death. Eternal life, eternal death. If you look at Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, Is it Romans chapter 3? Romans chapter 6, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. So if you work for the sin master, what you're going to earn is death. But we know who the sin master is, right? Hasatan, the devil. But the gift of God is eternal life. So there's a dichotomy. You have eternal life, and then you have death. You have death. Your goal, and certainly my goal, is to avoid that eternal death, which is the second death. So we need to understand that and avoid that, ladies and gentlemen. But getting back to the Smyrna uh, assembly, which is prophetic, all these, the menorah really is symbolic of the unity that all the assemblies should have. And any of these assemblies could have these characteristics. That's what our Lord is trying to reveal to us uh, in Revelation 2 and 3, or is revealing to us, to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, as he states. So we have to understand that um, one of the characteristics of the true people of Yah, or God, they struggle. They have problems. They have financial problems. They have uh, physical afflictions. They, They have all kinds of things. And uh, that are that are wrong with them, but they get through it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, let's look at a scripture here that I know is not a favorite scripture, but I'm going to quote it anyway. Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three. Explaining, he said to to them all, "If any man will come after me, let him deny himself." and take up his cross daily, and follow me. So in verse 23, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's what this is about. You have to deny yourself and your lustful wishes and desires. In verse 24, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. So your whole life is not about saving your behind. It's part of it. <laughs> but it shouldn't be your sole purpose of life. It's just to save yourself physically. Purpose in life is to save yourself spiritually, folks. All right? Let's understand that. Luke chapter 14, verse 27. Luke 14, verse 27, states the following. It says, And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So you have to be willing to suffer, ladies and gentlemen. You have to be willing to suffer for righteousness' sake. And if you're not willing to do that, he states, You are certainly not my student. That's what disciple means. Or and you know what? I've had people forsake me, and really they're forsaking Yah because I I'm certainly can prove that I'm one of his servants uh, that has been commissioned to teach.
teach people the truth. And I can really understand the scripture because I, the people that, that were fine, they, they didn't want to bear the cross. They didn't want to. Uh, they were complaining about going to Shabbat services uh, consistently. And um, <laughs> they didn't want to even do that. They didn't want to. And yet, of course, their jobs, they, they struggle to go to their jobs. Even when they're tired, they go to their jobs. But when it, when the Shabbat comes, when it's time to have the command of assembly, oh, I just want to rest. And, and they don't want to go and, and, and with the same determination and 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 uh, desire to uh, like they have to, to go to their jobs, you know. So it's just uh, just ridiculous. But anyway, Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, starting in verse twenty-four. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the other. You can't. And despise the other, rather. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, you can't can't do both, folks. One 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 or the other has to go. Verse twenty five, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time explaining this. Uh, so I'm going to go off the air soon. But I encourage you to listen to the archives. I'm probably going to talk for probably five or ten more minutes. And so to listen to this program in its entirety. Um, after I get cut off, um, I think it takes at least 15 to 30 minutes for them to, to upload the new program, and then you could uh, go down to the end and you can listen to the rest of it. So I'm about to be cut off the air soon here in the next two minutes and 19 seconds, and then I'm going to talk a little more about this subject, and then you can listen to it uh, later on today or probably within 15 or 30 minutes after I'm done, which I would estimate I will be done. Uh, probably close to 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so, in Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take note for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not much better than they? Are you not much better than they? Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Verse 27, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Verse 28, And why take ye thought for raiment, consider or clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not. They toil not, rather. They toy. They toil not. <laughs> Tongue twister. Neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, grass rather of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? O ye of little faith or trust. Verse 31, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or whether shall we be clothed? These are the concerns that people have all the time, basically. Verse 32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, or people that aren't believers, basically. For your heavenly Father knows that ye have need for all these things. He knows what you need. But this is what he wants us to do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you do that, you keep the commandments, 
All these things will be added unto you. So I'm about to go off the air here. Shalom, peace. Okay, I'm going to continue on here. 34. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And let me look at another translation here. It says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough uh, problems already. <laughs> so that that's what we need to understand, folks. Um, we need to put him first, and we need to do the best we can to keep his commandments. And in Romans, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, I exhort you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer yourselves as a sacrifice, living and set apart for God. I'm reading this complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. This will please him. It is the logical temple worship for you. Temple worship for you. And I explain to you what worship really is in, in James 1, verse 27. Pure worship and undefiled before Yah and the Father is this, to visit the homeless and the fatherless and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. If, you, if, if you're with a fellowship that doesn't do both, then you may need to consider not fellowshipping with them. In other words, do not let yourself, if all they teach is, is prophecy and and, and they, they don't teach you to care about other people and all they teach you is, hey, the whole world is full of Babylon, stay away from Babylon, and yet there's no teaching about caring about people, about learning how to give to people and help people's uh, temporal needs as well as spiritual needs then that, that, that's something that you need to, to, to really consider and say, should I fellowship with this group? Are they really practicing pure worship or religion? In other words, do not let yourselves be conformed to the standards of the olam hazad, I mean this world. Instead, keep letting yourselves be transformed by the receiving of your mind so that you will know what God wants and will agree that what he wants is good, satisfying, and able to succeed. So, folks, let's let's understand what pure religion is all about. That's really what the heart of the Smyrna uh, message is all about, uh, the fact that they were struggling and they were in poverty, but they didn't let that destroy them. Again, let's go over it. It says, to the angel of the Messianic, I'm reading this in the complete Jewish Bible version, to the angel of the Messianic community in Smyrna, right, or Smyrna. Here is the message from the first and the last who died and came alive again. Verse 9, I know how you are suffering and how poor you are, though in fact you are rich. And I know the insults of those who call themselves Jews but aren't. On the contrary, they are of the synagogue of the adversary. Verse 10, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Look, the adversary is going to have some of you thrown in prison. In order that you be, uh, you, you, in order to put you to the test, and you will face an ordeal for ten days. Remain faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you his life. As chronicle, people have written books or articles trying to figure out prophetic significance of ten days. It does mean ten days, and uh, it means literally that. And, and for people that, uh, I'm sure there's been people that have been put in jail for ten days, but that are believers, based on the scripture. Verse eleven. Those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the Messianic communities. He's saying this to all the, the candlesticks 
of the lamp stands. Okay, he's saying it's all the uh, the candlesticks that are part of the menorah, the, all the assemblies. He who wins the victory will not be hurt at all by the second death. So let's remember, folks, that this walk does require suffering. Uh, and we should not forsake the assembly of one another, ladies and gentlemen. Hebrews 10, verse 25. And there's a, an incorrect teaching on the Internet that teaches that you can do that. That Leviticus 23, verse 2, is not talking about a commanded assembly. And I've written an article to severely rebuke that incorrect teaching. Uh, and I, I suggest that you read it. It's called, uh, Is uh, Jesus Fasting for 40 Days and 40 Nights? Justification uh, for Not Keeping, uh, for Not Assembling. forgot the exact title of it, but that's, the gist of it, basically. Uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 23, verse 2, it says, Tell the people of Israel the designated times of Adonai, the Lord, which you are to proclaim as holy convocations are my designated times. Work is to be done on six days, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of complete rest, a holy convocation. So it's not just a day that you rest, it's also a commanded assembly. And you should assemble. On that day, the Jews understand it. That's the reason why they are still together. Through all the hardship that they've gone through, they understood the importance of being unified, like the menorah. The menorah symbolizes a unified assembly, and we should understand that, ladies and gentlemen. So anyway, may Yah bless and keep you, and Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. We're going to talk about the next assembly of uh, the menorah structure, which symbolizes the, all the, the churches. And we're going to talk about, what's the next church here? Uh, Pergamum. We're going to talk about Pergamum and Pergamum's strengths and its weaknesses and what we, what, what we should do to, of course, copy the um, Pergamum's positive examples and stay away from the negative. So may y'all bless and keep you and y'all willing I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter four. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.